On this edition of the Maryland Baseball Network podcast, we recap the Terps' four games from last week, one against William & Mary and three at home against the Army Black Knights. We play fair or foul and pick a Terp of the week. Plus, a conversation with Terps freshman outfielder Randy Bednar, who just hit his first career home run on Sunday. Last, we preview the upcoming week for the Terps, a game Wednesday at VCU, Friday down in Conway, South Carolina against Radford, Saturday against Coastal Carolina, and Sunday against Ball State. Here we go. This is the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. Here's your host, Justin Galanti. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 47 of the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. I'm Justin Galanti, once again joined by Connor Newcomb. And Connor, when we sat here last week, Maryland had gotten back from Tennessee 2-1. and one, And then the last week, not the best in the world. They go down to William & Mary on Wednesday, lose that game, and then drop 2-3 of three over the weekend against Army. Yeah, not a great response after taking 2-3 of three from the Volunteers. I mean, the William & Mary game was tough, but again, the... Midweeks, obviously, maybe the biggest question for this Terps team, what they will do pitching-wise. They went with the bullpen game. It didn't work out. But you thought coming back home to Bob Turtlesmith Stadium where the Terps were 20-3 and last season, you would have thought they could get at least two of three from Army. They had to salvage game three on Sunday just to get one in that series. So definitely a tough weekend for the Terps. One of the highlights from the 10-4 loss on Wednesday was Zach Jankarski, who hit two home runs for the Terps. But other than that, they didn't do much offensively. Elliot Zollner or the fuzz got the start. It was kind of a merry-go-round coming out of the bullpen after that. And it was really only Hunter Parsons that pitched well that day, four up, four down. So the Terps gave up 10 and lost the game. You were there. What did you see? I mean, as you said, Zach Jankarski jumped all over the first pitch twice, hit a couple of homers. But the bullpen, just there wasn't a lot of confidence, it seemed like, coming out of the bullpen. The fuzz, as you said, getting his first career start. He was only really going to last no more than two innings, but he couldn't get through that second inning. It was a revolving door of the bullpen. Billy Phillips came in, wasn't nearly as effective as he was against Tennessee. He gave up a home run and I think three runs in his appearance. Really the only bullpen guy who came in and had a great appearance was Hunter Parsons. He set down all four batters that he faced, and that kind of transitioned him in one of his better starts over the last two years that he had Sunday against Army. But the bullpen just couldn't get it done. But I mean, I know they gave up 10 runs, but the offense just really, besides the two Jankarski homers, the offense had a lot of chances in that game and left a lot of runners on base, and that was really the main reason why they fell in that midweek. So then on Friday, the Terps hosted Army, and the week, or excuse me, the weather was really terrible all weekend. It rained every day. The sun didn't come out at all. It was cold, and that might have been one of the reasons the Terps' bats were cold as well. In game one on Friday, they lost 4-3 to the Black Knights. Taylor Bloom, the reigning Big Ten pitcher of the week, didn't have the performance he had against Tennessee. He did go seven innings, but gave up 11 hits. And the starter for Army, Tyler Giovinco, had a stretch of more than 15 straight Terps. He retired. But I think the key to that ball game was the first two innings when Maryland loaded the bases and only got one run out of that. And then there was that long stretch without scoring. Yeah, the Terps, and that only run didn't even come off a base hit. It was an RBI sack fly from Zach Jankarski with the bases loaded to get that one run in. As you said, they loaded the bases. The Terps, a couple of questionable decisions in that game. Taylor Wright bunted with the bases loaded and two outs. It didn't work out. We saw A.J. Lee bunt once with first and second and two outs. He actually got on base, but the Terps couldn't score any more runs after that and as you said they loaded the bases a couple times got the one run AJ Lee had the solo homer and then they really got a a pretty lucky run in the eighth inning on a 
Taylor Wright scoring from second base on a wild pitch. So the offense just really wasn't there on Friday. And then, of course, on Saturday, it was just non-existent. Yeah, the starter, Matt Ball, for Army was really, really good. The Black Knights won that game 3 nothing. Tyler Blome got the start for Maryland and was pretty good. He only gave up one earned run, two total in six innings. And then Kevin Biondic was good out of the bullpen, gave up one unearned run. But seven and two-thirds, four hits, no walks, seven strikeouts from Matt Ball. And we talked to the coaching staff after the game, and they were saying, look, the scouting report on this guy is that he's erratic. But he wasn't. He didn't walk anyone over 102 pitches. And he has now beaten Michigan and beaten Maryland back-to-back Saturdays to start the season. Maryland only got four hits in this game. Yeah, that game against Matt Ball, it was just, I I mean, he wasn't nearly the best pitcher the Terps are really going to face this season. They're going to see a lot better arms in the Big Ten this year. But a guy that was just throwing strikes. And as you talked about, all three of these Army starting pitchers really came in with their issues being the walks, especially last weekend when they only took one of three from the Michigan Wolverines. And then they came in and they were throwing strikes. And the Terps were helping them out a little bit as well, kind of chasing out of the strike zone a lot, especially in that Saturday game. And the offense just really couldn't get anything going. And once Army turned it over to the bullpen, especially in games one and two, it was just lights out. Then on Sunday, Maryland was able to salvage one game from the week, a 6-3 win against Army, and there were a lot of encouraging signs from players in this one. Tommy Gardner had another good game at DH. Randy Bednar, who we'll talk to later on this podcast, hit his first career home run. Hunter Parsons got the start. He was much, much better than he was at Tennessee. And then the three-way combination of Mark DeLuya, Sean Fisher, and John Murphy gave the Terps scoreless relief over four and a third. Yeah, I think you can easily say that's the best we've seen Hunter Parsons pitch since 2016. I mean, he had that very, very solid freshman year, and then coming into the sophomore year, obviously things kind of fell apart for him last season and was transitioned into the bullpen after just three starts and really became a mop-up guy. And then, of course, last weekend against Tennessee, things did not go well again, but he battled back against Army in a big spot for him. In the second inning, he had a situation with the bases loaded and two outs with a chance to get out of it. He walked a run in, gave up a single in the very next pitch that scored two, and you kind of started to see the situation where things start to snowball for Hunter Parsons. But he got out of that inning, got all the way through, almost through the fifth, and then handed over to Mark DeLuya, who got a big out in the fifth inning to keep it a 4-3 Maryland lead. And Hunter Parsons, only one inning where he allowed runs, four scoreless innings for him, and I think it was a very promising start for him, and obviously we should see him again on another Sunday start. Yeah, when DeLuya came in the game, there were two on and two out, and the cleanup hitter John McKenna up for Army, and, well, he also bunted with two outs. There was a lot of that this weekend, but it was a good game for Maryland to get the 6-3 win. Now they'll be 3-4 and four going into the midweek against a good VCU team, and then the weekend tournament down at Coastal Carolina, but... Out of what was probably not the best week in the world for Maryland, there were certainly positive signs. So we're going to do our thing here and pick our Terp of the Week. Connor, you can can, uh, have the first shot at this. Uh, I had two in mind, but I think I'm going to go with Kevin Biondic. He was our podcast guest last week. So maybe if we can keep a little streak going, Randy Bednar might be our Terp of the Week for next week if he can have a big weekend. But Kevin Bionic, now he didn't do a lot with the bat. He did have... uh, a big triple in yesterday's game. He had a couple of big hits uh, in the midweek game as well. But for Kevin Bionic, it was all about the defense and what he did on the mound this week. He made a lot of great plays at first base, saved a couple of runs just himself on Friday night's game against Army. And then in that game Saturday, he came in in the seventh inning and pitched three innings. He gave up a run, but it was unearned in that one and was able to really rest the Terps bullpen. And I think That really helped going into Sunday's game when the Terps finally got an early lead and that entire bullpen was rested because Friday night the Terps had to use just two pitchers 
And then Saturday night, you thought after Tyler Bloom's six innings, they might have to go deeper into the bullpen. But Kevin Bionda comes in, gives you three innings, and then the entire back end of that bullpen was rested to get that Sunday win. Yeah, Bionda's a really good pick. And I think even as good as he's been on the mound, he showed how he can impact the game defensively at first base. He made a number of good plays, mainly in the Sunday win. So I really like that pick from Biondic. And just to touch on what you were saying about the bullpen, I think coming into the year, everybody thought the issue with this team would be this, the pitching staff and specifically the bullpen. So it was a little bit surprising when, look, Maryland only gives up four runs on Friday and uses only two pitchers. Then on Saturday, they gave up only three runs and used two pitchers. And then on Sunday, they gave up only three runs. They used a few more pitchers. They used four. But still, the pitching was really good this weekend, so for Maryland to lose two out of three was surprising because it, the bats were the issue. Um, my Terp of the Week is going to be one of the guys that came out of the bullpen, and he did it twice. It's going to be the freshman left-hander, Sean Fisher from Parkside High School. He came in after Taylor Bloom on Friday night, pitched two scoreless innings, kept Maryland in that game, gave them a chance to come back. They didn't end up coming back, but he did a good job to keep them in that one. And then in the win on Sunday, Fisher uh, pitched a scoreless inning again. He was between DeLuya and Murphy. He was the bridge to get it to John Murphy. And I just think it's really important for this team and pitching coach Corey Muscara to be able to have a left-hander who's solid out of the bullpen to face some of the tough lefties you'll face around the country this year. So that's why Sean Fisher is my Terp of the Week. Connor w went with Kevin Biondic, both of those guys having solid weeks in what was a 1-3 uh, and three stretch in four games for the Terps as now we are going to go back to our favorite game, fair or foul. And the first statement we'll have here this week is the bullpen was the most encouraging sign from this weekend that might not have had the most uh, highest quantity of encouraging signs. You know, I think that's fair. I think a close second would be Hunter Parsons himself being the most encouraging sign. But other than that, it's got to be the bullpen. I mean, we saw what Bloom and Bloom could do this season. Against Tennessee, they both had good starts. Again, they both had solid starts. Now, Taylor Bloom did scatter 11 hits Friday night, but only allowed the four earned runs, really kept a Terps offense that you think could score four or more, especially against an Army pitching staff in the game. But the bullpen was great this weekend. As you talked about, I mean, the fact that, you know, the starters did well. Bloom went seven and Bloom went six on Friday, Saturday. But the fact that the guys were able to come in and get it to the end of the game, especially Kevin Bionic going the three innings to get it to the end of the game. And then DeLuya coming in, getting big outs, Fisher getting big outs, and then John Murphy getting six outs in the Sunday win over Army was really big for Maryland. And it showed that they do have some arms in this bullpen. I think we knew coming in that John Murphy could have another solid year, but with so many freshmen, and I kind of count Kevin Bionic as a freshman pitcher too because it's his first year on the mound. So, so many question marks in there. But Fisher's been great. Bionic's been great. DeLuya really bounced back from a tough first outing against Tennessee last weekend. So I think that's fair to say that the bullpen was definitely the most encouraging part. Yeah, I agree with what you were saying about the starting pitching that I think Maryland coming into the season, if you said Taylor Bloom's going to give you seven innings, four runs on Friday, Tyler Blum will give you six and two on Saturday, and Hunter Parsons will give you four and two-thirds and three on Sunday – you're, you're going to feel like you'll win most games because this offense on paper was pretty prolific. It didn't necessarily happen this weekend, but I agree with your point that Maryland's absolutely going to take what they got from the starting pitching this weekend. In terms of the bullpen, I agree that it's a fair statement. I loved what I saw from Fisher and DeLuya and Biondic and Murphy to an extent as well. So I think absolutely the biggest takeaway from the weekend 
was this bullpen because they did struggle a little bit in some of the games at Tennessee. They really struggled against William and Mary. But Kevin Biondic right away has shown he's gone five innings without giving up an earned run. John Murphy has gone four innings without giving up an earned run. So those two seem pretty solid on the back end. And as freshmen, you expect guys to maybe hit some road bumps at the start of the season and then settle in. And it seems like already that's what's happening with DeLuya and Fisher. So I think there's reason uh, to be very excited about that. And I think the next guy you want to see step up, whether it's as a midweek starter or as a bullpen arm, is Elliot Zollner because the coaching staff talks so much about how he has maybe the best stuff on the staff and he just hasn't put it all together yet, whether that's physically or mentally. So you hope to see that coming up uh, if you're Maryland. Statement number two of fair or foul, freshmen will ultimately determine Maryland's success this season. And I think I'm going to say this is a fair statement because even though some guys like Marty Costas and maybe A.J. Lee a little bit have struggled of late, you expect them to be constants. Same with Taylor Bloom and Tyler Blome. But the question is, what can these freshmen give you? And maybe that can take Maryland over the top to win a Big Ten championship, make an NCAA regional. And I'm talking about guys like Randy Bednar, who hit his first home run on Sunday. Sean Fisher and Mark DeLuya, we've talked about them out of the bullpen. And Tommy Gardner started the last two games at DH. And he's not your typical DH the way you look at him. He's 5'8", 160 pounds, according to the roster sheet. But he's getting on base all the time. And Will Watson got off to a good start to the season but struggled a little bit in the last few games. So Rob Vaughn made the change, and it seemed to work out with Gardner. Yeah, I think I'm going to say the statement is foul, however. I mean, I know freshmen are going to play a big role. You talked about Gardner, you talked about Bednar, and especially in the bullpen. But I think the biggest thing that needs to go right for the Terps this season is that weekend rotation. you got Bloom, you've got Bloom, and then right now you've got Hunter Parsons. I mean, you have a guy like Alec Tui who's also could get a shot there, at least in the midweek, and then Elliot Zollner has already gotten one start in the midweek, and he did not appear over the weekend, so we could see him starting again midweek this week against VCU. But I think those three guys, obviously none of them are freshmen. They're going to really carry the Terps this season, although the offense is in a big slump right now. I mean, Marty Costas is over his last 20. A lot of guys just aren't getting hits. Taylor Wright's in a little bit of a slump to start the season. I think the offense is the best part of this Maryland team, and they can turn it around quickly. But if the weekend rotation can get it done, I think that's where the Terps can be dangerous. And you add in John Murphy and Kevin Biondic and guys like that at the end of the bullpen who are going to be important. I think those guys are the most important part of this Maryland team and will really dictate how far they go because even though you look at the stats and you see a lot of Terps hitters struggling and the bats really struggled this weekend against Army, I think they can turn it around. But it's about the pitching staying strong over the weekend to because if you said if they're giving starts like they gave Friday Saturday Sunday this weekend most weekends especially against teams like Army maybe not some of the best teams in the Big Ten but teams like Army they should take two of three and maybe sweep the series yeah and I think it's worth noting uh, quickly that while some fans might be very worried about the name Army across the chest in Maryland losing two or three at home Army did get a game from Michigan, who's a good team, last weekend, so it's not like Maryland lost two of three to some terrible team or anything like that. Army's a very good group that's young and emerging. They had the Patriot League Coach of the Year last year, and they seem to be uh, on the up and up. Third statement comes from the eighth and ninth innings of Sunday's game. John Murphy got the Terps a six-out save. He has had this weird pra- uh, pattern excuse me, of strikeout, walk, strikeout, walk, strikeout, walk, strikeout, walk, hit-by-pitch, strikeout, pop-out, I think is what it was. Uh, But he showed that he can throw a lot of pitches, and he showed that he was able to get six outs. So I guess the statement here is John Murphy proved he can be a multi-inning closer. I think that's a fair statement. I think 
first of all, you, you look at Murphy's couple of innings and you see the walks and it worries you a little bit. John Murphy has thrown four innings this season. And he still is not allowed a hit. So, obviously, is not allowed an earned run either. Now, the walks have been a little bit of an issue and were especially an issue on Sunday over those two innings. But you see the stuff. I mean, the Army hitters basically had no chance. The guys were getting on base because he was getting wild a little bit. Then he would settle down on the mound and just blow a couple fastballs by him and drop a breaking ball in there to freeze him. So, I think John Murphy has the stuff to get through two innings. I think he has the ability to get through it. I talked to the, about this with Pat Heisel on the broadcast yesterday that John Murphy, when he came in as a freshman, he came in as a starter. He was a guy in high school who broke all of Mike Schwarren's records at Gloucester Catholic. And he came in looking like he was going to be a starter. The Terps tried him as a starter basically his all of his freshman year until last season as a sophomore when they really placed him in the bullpen. He was really able to show what he can do. So he has the length to go two innings. He has the stuff to dominate guys. And I think he will be a real weapon for the Terps this year because I know the freshmen like Sean Fisher has been very good. And they have guys like Elliot Zollner who the coaching staff loves and thinks can be very good in the bullpen. John Murphy is the veteran presence in that bullpen. And he's the guy who's probably going to need to go two innings a lot to lock down some wins for the Terps. I agree. I think it's a fair statement. And the reason for that is I think we would both agree that John Murphy didn't have anywhere near his best day on Sunday with the walks. But he still went two innings and he still didn't give up a run. And I think there's only room from, for improvement based on the way uh, John pitched yesterday. So I think absolutely it was proven that Murphy can be a six-out closer and maybe even more than that sometimes. The way it shook out this weekend was that Murphy pitched the first in the first game on Sunday last weekend at Tennessee after pitching on Friday. But he didn't pitch in the midweek, didn't pitch Friday, didn't pitch Saturday. So he had a full week off. And I think he could have probably gone more than two innings. So fair statement here. I think John Murphy shows he absolutely can be a six-out closer. The question is... Um, if Maryland gets in situations where he throws an inning on Friday, maybe has Saturday off, maybe you don't want to use him two innings Sunday. This week it just happened to be that the workload was not there in the first two games of the series. So I think I'll say that it's fair. He can be a six-out closer at least, but it's still to be determined if Maryland's going to use him that way if there's a situation where he pitched the day before or two days before. Our next statement on fair or foul here, Tommy Gardner is the best option for Maryland at designated hitter. I, I don't like to use the too soon to call, so I'm going to go with foul right now. I don't think that's anything against Tommy Gardner. I mean, he is getting himself on base in his two starts so far this season. He's worked a walk, been hit by a pitch, and has a couple of hits and six official at-bats this season so far we saw him get on base twice yesterday get on base twice on Saturday but I still think the veteran presence of Will Watson I still think Watson had a solid weekend against Tennessee but he struggled a little bit at the plate against William and Mary and then in game one and Tommy Gardner DH'd the last two games and I still think guys we you know have only seen a little bit from Ty Friedrich he got the start Friday we still haven't seen Justin Vote in there to hit for the Terps so I think they have a couple of options, and this is nothing against Gardner. I just think the Terps, we really haven't seen all of their options at designated hitters. So I don't know if there's somebody who's definitely a better option than Tommy Gardner right now, but I just think maybe it is one of those it's you know too soon to call it right now. I agree. I think I'll change the way I answer this, and I proposed the question, so that's not really fair, but I'm going to do it. I think it's too soon to tell to say that Tommy Gardner is the best option at DH for Maryland. But I do think he should get the start on Wednesday at DH against VCU, and I think you'd agree with that. 
Yeah, I think I think that makes sense. I mean, he's been on base four times in the past two games, and he was doing well at the bottom of the Maryland lineup. So I would like to see him get another shot against VCU. I think that does make sense for the Terps offense going forward. Our final fair or foul statement for this week is a fun one, I think. A couple weeks ago, we were skeptical about whether Kevin Beyond could really pitch or not. Then on Friday of the Tennessee series, we were surprised when he was the first reliever in the game of the season for Maryland. And now our fair or foul statement is Kevin Biondic should get a midweek start. I think that is 100% completely fair. I mean, look, last season, the struggles have been documented for the Terps. Seven different midweek starters, I believe. Now, they did go 7-3 and three in the midweeks last year. 0-1 this year with a loss to William and Mary so far. But... Elliot Zollner, I'm, you know, we don't know, but I think he is probably in line to be the best option for this start against VCU, especially because he did not pitch over the weekend for the Terps. But they have plenty of options in the midweek, guys. They could go to Alec Tui is still another option they could go to as well. But hey, the midweeks have been an issue, and especially if the Terps are going to go with this bullpen game that they did against William and Mary, why not throw Kevin Biondic out there if you're just going to start with a reliever anyway? We saw his ability to go three innings on Saturday night. If he could do that again, three innings, no earned runs to start a midweek game, that's huge for the Terps because it makes it much easier on the bullpen. And you know this offense in some of these midweek games, they're going to put up some runs. They did it a lot last year. They're returning most of that offense. They can do it again this year. So if Kevin Bionic shows that he can continue to extend himself out, he could become maybe even a regular midweek starter for the Terps. I, I'm going to say a foul. it's foul, and – not really because of Kevin Biondic, but I don't think this is something Maryland should do until they've looked at all their options in the midweek. I know last week was a little bit troubling, for lack of a better term, but it was one week and one guy. They have the other options uh, in Deluya and, Zol- and Zolner again, maybe, or Tui, or whatever it may be. But the issue with starting Kevin Biondic is that if he goes two innings and you're staffing the game, if he goes three, even if he goes five innings, once you take him out, You either have to take him out of the game or put him at first base and you lose your DH. So then every time the pitcher spot comes up in the order, you have to pinch hit. And then you're getting pretty deep into your bench for Maryland. So because of that, I'm going to say foul for now until you've seen the other midweek options because of the issues it could pose with the lineup if Biondic starts, whether it's having to take him out of the game and losing his bat in the third or fourth or fifth inning or whatever it might may be, or losing the DH and having to pinch hit every time through the order that the pitcher comes back up uh, late in the game. So that wraps up this edition of Fair or Foul, and now we have a chat with Terps freshman outfielder Randy Bednar coming up. Bednar hit his first home run on Sunday, and we talked to the Bethesda native about everything since he's come to College Park here in his freshman year. Gray goes into his wind and the 3-1. Hit in the air, deep left field, back goes Hudgens at the track, at the wall, and it's gone! The first career home run for Randy Bednar. Now joined by Terps freshman outfielder and pitcher Randy Bednar here on the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. Randy, thanks for taking some time. No problem. So you've gotten off to a nice start to your freshman year here at Maryland. This weekend uh, on Sunday, you hit your first career home run against Army. What was that moment like? Um, I think it was a very special moment, you know. Um, just being out, being able to play out there with all my teammates, you know, is a fun experience in itself. But, um, you know, the coach always say, you know, worry about the process and the results will take care of itself. So 
um, I was just glad that I had that opportunity to do something like that. Now, when that ball came off your bat, did you know it was gone right away? <laughs> I uh, I knew he caught it pretty well, but uh, I didn't want to take any chances, so I just uh, hustled down the first, and then when I saw it clear the fence, and I just started jogging. But um, I knew it caught it pretty well off the barrel. And it, it traveled over the left field fence. You guys uh, won that game after losing the first two to Army, lost in the midweek to William & Mary. But it was a great start to the season down at Tennessee to win two of three. Now you guys are a game under 500 as you get into this week uh, against VCU and then down to Coastal Carolina. But for you as a freshman coming in, starting right away on the road against an SEC team, what was that experience like for you? Was it a little overwhelming, or did you feel ready for that moment? Well, for me, and I'm the type of person, you know, I get really excited, especially in situations like that. You know, it's my first career, you know, college game, especially against an SEC team. So I just have to know I have to calm myself down in those situations and not get too excited. Um, if I want to, you know, perform at my best. Um, but, uh, like, the experience in itself was amazing, just playing in front of the fans, being out there in a Maryland jersey, playing for my teammates, playing with my teammates, you know, just a special experience that I'll never forget. And then what was it like this weekend getting to play your first home series? Home series. Um, it was great, too, because I remember when I was um, not even at Maryland yet, and um, I would always come to the home series also and watch the games. And we actually had some of, like, the years prior, we had, like, some of the best home records in all of college baseball. And so um, when we played home, I kept that in mind. Like, hopefully we can just try to keep that up, too, because those are big. You're from Bethesda. Did you grow up a Maryland fan? Uh, I did. I did. Um, you know, Fawn always says, and all the coaches say, like, they try to, like, keep the in-state kids in. And I spent the majority of my life living in Maryland, so... Um, and when the opportunity chose to come here, I definitely uh, seized it because um, it was definitely one of my top schools to stay in state. Um, also have my family come and watch me. It was a big part of it. What does it mean to you to be able to represent your home state school like you are? Uh, it means a lot. It means uh, a lot, you know, um, just being a local person here uh, and being able to help the state that I live in, I think, is huge. Now, now that you've started, we're a couple games into the season. It's been two weekends and a midweek. What have been the biggest adjustments for you from high school and the summer and now into the college game? For me, I think, um, you know, I have a lot of confidence in my swing. So I think just the approach when I go up at bat is um, the biggest adjustment um, from high school to college because, you know, high school pitching, college pitching, those are two different things. And uh, if you don't have a good approach, when you go up there, then the picture is uh, most definitely going to beat you. So just having a good, consistent approach every time you go up there, I think, is uh, the biggest thing I've had to change from high school to, to college. When you're at the plate, what is your mentality? Because you started the season batting ninth, but it wasn't your typical batting ninth. It was kind of, well, Marty Costas is up, is up next, so mm -hmm. we want Randy batting ninth so he can be on base for Marty. So a lot of times a nine-hitter is there to work good at-bats and move runners over, but maybe that's not your role, and we've seen that with your power, and you've since moved up in the lineup. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's definitely um, big. You know, Coach Swope always says, you know, pass it to the next hitter. Uh, let them have a chance anyway. You can get on base you can. So for me, um, whether it's batting ninth or seventh, if I'm able to get on base and give people a chance like Marty Costas, Nick Dunn, Zach Jankarski, a chance to bat with runners in scoring position. That's just going to give us that much more of an opportunity to win the game. 
Are there any players on this team that you've really latched onto and kind of come under their wing? I mean, in the outfield, you're surrounded by Zach Jankarski, who's a senior, and he's played a lot of games here at Maryland, and Marty Costas, who was one of the best players in the Big Ten last year, mm -hmm. first team all Big Ten. He was drafted last year, decided to come back. So there are two really, really good players just right next to you out in the outfield. Yeah, I mean, those two definitely, um, from the first day I got here, um, they've welcomed me. Uh, just like I've been on the team for many years, even though I haven't. Um, I've looked up to him. It's uh, Zach Jankarski. I w um, just watch everything he does, try to replicate it. He plays the game the right way. Um, but not only Zach, but um, just everybody else on the team, you know, has that same mentality. Everybody's pushing for each other. Um, everybody trusts each other. And I think that's one of the special things to have on a team when you just have such great chemistry like that. Now, you're playing right field this year. Marty played right field last year. He's moved over to left, but... Did he give you any advice on how to handle right field at Bob Turtlesmith Stadium? Yeah, well, if, um, you know one thing, right field, it probably has the worst sun mm -hmm. in all of college baseball. I mean, it's glaring right at you. So, um, for Marty, you know, he's always just said, you know, trust your initial read. If you could do that and just stick with it and trust it, then more than likely um, you're not going to make any mistakes out there. So that's uh, the most important thing, especially playing right field at Maryland. Now, coming into this year, when you committed to Maryland, John Sheff was the head coach here. Now, obviously, Rob Vaughn's the head coach, and Coach Sheff left for Virginia Tech. As an incoming recruit, what was that kind of like for you for there to be a coaching change before you even got here? Um, definitely had mixed feelings about it, but the good thing was uh, the person, uh, Coach Vaughn, coming in charge, uh, was a person who's already been with the program. So he knows uh, how everything operates. He's part of Maryland. Uh, the same with uh, the returning coaches like uh, um, Papio and uh, Swope. They're all, they've all been a part of the program, and I think um, that's uh, important to have if um, you want to have a new coach. So I was definitely happy about that, and it was something where I already established a relationship with him, so I didn't see it as, as big of a deal. Now, this coaching staff is very young, they're very energetic, and and it's a really loose group to be around in terms of the team and the coaches. I think a lot of people would expect these high-level college baseball programs to be pretty close to the vest and not that much maybe fun, quote-unquote, mm -hmm. to be around, but that's not the case with this team. How much fun are you having around this group? Oh, I'm having a blast. I mean, um, every day I can't wait just to go out, go out to the field and, you know, practice and compete, you know, even... Um, while we're having fun, we're still getting better and competing every day. So, if I mean, having fun and competing, if you can combine those two every day, I think um, that's the most important thing. What are the things that you personally are working on here in your freshman year? What are your goals for this season? My goals, um, basically, I mean, just help the team any way I can. Um, learn from uh, anybody else, and uh, some of the uh, upperclassmen, and learn anything I can. Um, just get comfortable in the position that I am um, and, you know, compete and have fun every day. I think those are the goals that I have for this season. Now, people might not know this yet, but you also pitch. We haven't seen you on the mound yet. Yeah. Uh, but how much are you working on your pitching at the same time, obviously, as your drills out in right field and, and hitting and batting practice and things like that? Uh, definitely. So, I mean, I just allocate. Um, so I'll just go out and pitch or hit. And then um, sometime in the middle of uh, practice, 
uh, when I need to throw a bullpen, I can just um, go out there and throw it with moose. So it's basically just managing managing my time during practice. You know, um, I took five balls earlier in the day, so um, during NDD, you know, I can get a 10, 15 pitch bullpen in just to stay fresh and forever whenever they need me on the mound. Now a lot of programs just won't allow there to be two-way players. They're your hitters and they're your pitchers, but. Maryland has a history of there being two-way players. Is that something that factored into your decision to come here, knowing you'd have the opportunity to pitch and hit? Yeah, um, definitely. You know, I pitched in high school, hit in high school, um, enjoyed both. Uh, and when Coach Vaughn said, uh, you have the opportunity to do both here, um, I was very thrilled to hear that um, because, you know, I like being on the mound, uh, being in charge out there, but then I also, you know, like hitting um, as well. I mean, but if I had to choose one, uh, I definitely had to go with Vaughn and hit. Yeah, yeah, okay. for sure. Now, uh, you had a tremendous high school career, and last summer you were drafted by the Atlanta Braves in the 27th round. Uh, before we talk at all about the decision that came after that, what was that like for you to get a call at a high school? Uh, very special. Um, I mean, it was one. I mean, ultimate dream, you know, is to get drafted, and so. Um, when I got that call and they said, you know, they drafted me in the 27th round, um, it just uh, confirmed all the hard work up until that time. Um, everything me my family um, went through, all those hours we put in, um, just something, you know, really special um, and you can't replicate. Do you remember exactly where you were when it happened? <laughs> yeah. Um, we were in my living room with my whole family, my dad, my mom, my brother, and we were just um, – listening to a little radio and then we got the phone call and then like they said drafted Randy Bednar 27th round by the Braves and you know all cheered and uh, you know it was very uh great great moment now even though you didn't end up signing with them do you become a Braves fan now definitely I mean a little bit yeah <laughs> you got to definitely so what was the process like from the day you got drafted until you ended up deciding not to sign it and to come here to Maryland because when kids get drafted out of high school, a lot of times it'll be somewhere in the late 30s of those rounds, and it's kind of like, okay, we all know he's going to college. But the 27th round is obviously very legitimate, and I'm sure there was a legitimate decision you had to make. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, at that round, you know, especially having an ed- education offered at Maryland, being able to play at Maryland, I mean, was definitely not as hard a decision as you may think it would be. I mean... Right from the moment that I got drafted, um, I knew I was coming to Maryland. There was no doubt in my mind I wanted to play here. I wanted to be a part of something special. So going forward uh, this summer, you played in the Cal Ripken Baseball League and had a very good summer. Now that league is widely made up of collegiate players. How important important was it for you to start playing against college-level talent before you even got here? Oh, very important. I think... um, that was one of the best things that helped me transition from high school ball to college ball was that um, in the middle, uh, Ripken League, being able to play against collegiate players because, you know, a, I kind of got a feeling of what it was like to play at the college level, kind of get into routine of, you know, playing every day, um, facing college pitchers and competing against um, college athletes. So that was a big part of me being able to transition from high school to college. Was there a moment either this summer, this fall, or so far this spring where you kind of said to yourself, okay, I'm, I'm really in college right now? Um, definitely when I first got here. I mean, um, I couldn't believe it, you know, when I was moving into the varsity. 
um, packing my things, you know, with my family there. It was kind of surreal. Um, took me like, you know, a week to actually realize like this is it. This is college. Um, I'm actually here because, you know, I've been waiting so long for it and it actually came. So um, it was something, you know, it actually had to register me a little bit more than usual. How much of an adjustment was it? I know we talked about on the field, but mm -hmm. off the field to college life for you. Oh, you learn um, really quickly. You have to manage your time very well. I mean, not only academically or athletically, but just your body as well physically. Um, you just want to make sure you're getting enough sleep, you're eating right. Um, on top of that, like taking care of your schoolwork and making sure you, um, you're on top of your game. I mean, it's definitely um, no joke. So you just have to um, make sure you're doing everything right because um, – the number one you think, and the number one thing you learn uh, real quickly is time management, and I think that's the biggest part of what um, everybody learns. What's your favorite part about being in college? Favorite part? I mean, pretty simple. I mean, baseball. Yeah. I, mean, I just love it. I love playing baseball. I love playing for Maryland. So I asked Kevin Biondic this last week on the podcast, and I, I want to propose the same question to you. This coaching staff talks a lot about not only being results oriented and I think for a lot of people that concept can be somewhat difficult to understand so what does it mean to you to not only determine success based off results well they definitely stressed that uh, from the start a lot and for me um, that was one of the things you know I had to work on as a player you know not get up so caught up in the results um, and it's hard it was hard for me uh, it still kind of is hard for me but um, what I guess what they mean by that is um, you know, just trust the process, compete, work hard, have fun. Don't worry about the results because if you get caught up in the results, then, you know, the results that you want aren't going to actually happen. So if you just learn to trust your ability, go out there thinking that whatever I have for that day um, is the best and it's going to work, then, I mean, um, everything will come into fruition eventually. I think something not everyone might realize, and it's not something I think about really, but it, it probably is something that's apparent for you, is that anybody who's coming to play at Maryland had something of a dominant high school career, and then it's just the nature of the beast that you're not going to dominate when you first start out right away getting into college. So not only the physical change of in the college game, but you kind of just touched on it, but mentally, what kind of shift was it for you to realize everybody is really good now, everybody had a, everybody was a star in high school, everybody wants to get drafted and all these things, and, you know, I'm really going to have to work hard to continue the, the success I have been having. Definitely. I mean, you look at all the players, they're here for a reason. Um, they've worked hard. Um, they deserve to be here, um, so they're there for a reason. I mean, for me, being able to play with, uh, with and against players like that um, just makes me that much better, makes me compete that much more, um, you know, learn the game more, I think it's uh, just better for me as a whole. Now, last year, Maryland didn't get a whole lot of contributions from the freshman class. It was really only Tyler Blom. But this year, we're just a few games into the season. You've played a lot. Tommy Gardner's played a lot. Sean Fisher out of the bullpen. Mark DeLuya, who's going to start this game against VCU, and he's pitched mm -hmm. a lot as well. I'm sure we're going to see a lot from Richie Sheikoffer and Justin Vogt pretty soon. Mm -hmm. How cool is it to see all these guys you came in, you came in with already making an impact? It's great. Um, you know, we just root for each other. We hope uh, for the best for each other. Um, 
being able to see the people in your class, being able to get a chance to get on the field and contribute to the team is just awesome. Um, and I hope to see more of it. Do you guys have conversations as a freshman class of what you want to see this program turn into in the next couple of years while you're here? Um, <laughs> I mean, not necessarily that. We have conversations of, like, aspirations of, like, you know, winning Big, Big Ten uh, – championship going to Omaha and stuff like that so I think that's something we talk about a little bit more because um, I think the things that are in place right now are uh, really good and the only thing we have to do is just keep uh, upholding those things so this week now you are going to be on the road against VCU and then on the weekend you have this tournament down in Coastal against Coastal Carolina Ball State and Radford uh, what do you want to see out of yourself out of the team this weekend other than winning, obviously, mm -hmm. to make it a little bit more successful than last week? Um, I think if we just do what we did Sunday against uh, Army, which was, you know, stay within ourselves, not get too excited, um, and own the zone, um, I think that will give us more of a chance to win. Because, I mean, our pitchers in the, all those games, you know, they were tremendous. They pitched great. Um, so if they can replicate that, that's good. And as hitters, you know, if we're aggressive but own the zone at the same time um, and drive a pitch that we like, I think um, that's going to lead to a, a lot more success. So in my experience, one of the most fun things about this program and really being a part of any college baseball program is going on the road. Now, you guys have only had one road series thus far. It was at Tennessee, and it basically rained all weekend, so there wasn't really a whole lot of opportunity to do anything fun i think the most fun i thing i did was go to chipotle yeah. uh, did you guys get to do anything fun that weekend um i mean the only thing i did was you know stay in my hotel i was actually rooming with bubba he brought, uh, brought his playstation down we played uh some mlb on his playstation um and i walked down to uh down a couple blocks of cookout mm -hmm. um so i mean those were probably the most interesting things <laughs> i did that weekend well, the, the weather looks a little bit better this week down in Myrtle Beach where we're going to be staying. And it sets up well because the games are at 11 and then 3 and then 11. So there might be some time off the field to, to do some things. Have you ever been down to Myrtle Beach? Uh, I actually have. Um, we go down there. My high school goes down there every spring break for a week. And we play um, different teams from around the East Coast. So I've been there down towards the Ripken Complex. And I've actually played one game. Uh, where we're going to play Coastal down there, too. So um, it's definitely um, also a lot of things to do there. Um, you're never going to be bored, so I'm excited to go back there. Well, I, I've never been to Myrtle Beach, so I'm excited for it. Uh, this weekend should be fun. It's going to be a long road trip uh, for you guys. My last question to you is about this game against VCU. Now this podcast will be released Wednesday morning, so I'll call it tonight, mm -hmm. uh, this game against VCU. Last year midweeks were a strong suit for Maryland. Maybe the games weren't pretty, but the Terps went 7-3. and three. You lost your first midweek this week. But midweeks can just be wild because teams are using maybe their fourth starter and they're a lot of times staffing games. Offensively, what's the mentality going into a game where you kind of say both teams are probably going to score some runs today? Um, yeah, I mean, especially on midweek games, you know, you're probably going to see a lot more arms than usual. It's kind of, you know, show the staff day at some times. So you might get up there and, you know, you might see only uh, one person for each at bat. 
maybe uh, see two at-bats against one person. So um, for us, if we can uh, actually uh, listen to the scouting report, if we do have a scouting report, that's also helpful. But also stay within ourselves and stay with that uh, uh, consistent, strong approach up, up the at-bat and not vary from it and actually start to be aggressive. I think, um, you know, you can never go wrong with that. How much do you rely on your teammates in these games where other teams are staffing it and you're not going to get maybe more than one look at the pitcher you're facing? You don't get to adjust from at-bat to at-bat. Oh, we, we have a um, tremendous amount of trust in each other. Um, no matter what the situation is, whether we're up or down, um, we have full confidence that anybody in our lineup, anybody on our staff can get the job done. All right, well, that sounds pretty good. Randy, first of all, I never even said this. Congratulations on your first home run <laughs> last you. weekend and a great start to your freshman year. And Thank you. Thanks for giving us some time here on the podcast. No problem. Great to be here. Our thanks to Randy Bednar for joining us here on the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. Now I'm back with Connor. And Connor, the Terps start this week on Wednesday down in Richmond against VCU, a pretty good team and a good test for the Terps coming up. Yeah, VCU coming off a rough game, at least the last game they played Sunday in a tournament. They actually played against Coastal Carolina, a team that Maryland will play this weekend, a 15-5 loss to Coastal. But that a team that's a team that really has it together this season, looks to make another push back to possibly the College World Series after winning it in 2016. But they do have a couple of wins over West Virginia this season. They also defeated William & Mary, a team that Maryland lost to in the midweek. So this will be another pretty tough midweek game for the Terps. But... VCU coming in at 3-5, and five, Maryland going on the road, and I think this is a game they the Terps really need to win because you want to get rack up a lot of wins in these midweek games. VCU, a pretty good program. They're one of only 14 programs in the country that has had four straight 35-plus win seasons. They were 13 games over 500 last year, 21-7 and seven in the Atlantic 10, lost in the A-10 finals. In 2015, they actually won the Dallas Regional, which was hosted by Dallas Baptist. The last time these two teams met was in 2016. Maryland swept a home-and-home -home with the Rams by a combined score of 15-2 to the year before they met twice as well. VCU won both those games by a combined score of 5-2. to But this offense is pretty strong for VCU. They hit 277 as a team, but the ERA 6.26 uh, through eight games. So you'd think there's going to be some scoring in this game. Yeah, and especially with a couple of midweek starters going out there for the Terps and VCU. Obviously, we don't even really know who the Terps are going to go with in that one. So expect a lot of offense from both teams. I mean, this VCU team has a couple of guys hitting over 380 on the young season. So we should see the Terps and the Rams fire up the runs on Wednesday. Yeah, and for Maryland, we'll, we'll see who starts. It could be Zollner again. I think it could be Deluia. He didn't pitch all that much on Sunday, and he'll have two days of rest. So that will be interesting uh, on the VCU side of things they are led offensively by Paul Witt who hit over 360 last year and according to D1 Baseball uh, they voted him the preseason A-10 player of the year the coaches picked VCU to finish second in the Atlantic 10 D1 Baseball picked the Rams to win the A-10 so this is a pretty good ball club that Maryland's about to go play on the road and I think it'll be a very good test and if they can get a win I think it would be huge because A it will be a quality win and B, it would get you back to 500 uh, before you take off for this weekend little tournament.
down at the campus of Coastal Carolina where you're taking on Coastal Ball State. And Friday morning, they will play against Radford, uh, a team that made the NCAA tournament last year despite being 15, or excuse me, five games under 500. They ended up winning the Big South tournament after an 11 and 13 conference record in the regular season, made it to the Louisville region, ended up uh, losing that game. In 2016, they were 20 games under 500, but in 2015, a 45 and 16 record, they won two games in the Nashville Regional. So this is another legitimate program. They've been in the tournament two out of three years. They're kind of the opposite of uh, of the VCU team that we just talked about. They only hit 231 as a team right now, but a four and a half team ERA is not bad. They're three and four right now. They have a midweek against Virginia Tech on Tuesday. They haven't really played anyone yet. Uh, they played North, North Florida, Jacksonville State, and Elon, so you really can't take anything from that. But the one thing you can take, I guess, is that Ryan Sandy, their Friday night starter who Maryland will likely see, has been really good so far this year. His ERA is 1.8 in 10 innings, and in his last start against Jacksonville State, only gave up one hit over six scoreless. Yeah, Friday morning down there in Conway, South Carolina, it will be a good Friday pitching matchup between what we assume will still be Taylor Bloom and then Ryan Sandy for Radford. He had a great season last year for Radford, as you said, the ERA under two this year. But what he kind of does is get soft contact. Not a big strikeout guy, at least through this season. Seven walks to just five strikeouts in ten innings so far this year. So the Terps are going to be making contact, it seems, against Sandy. But that was kind of the problem against Army. I mean, the Terps weren't struck out a lot, at least by the Army starters. They had some guys like Daniel Burgraff coming out of the pen who were mowing down hitters, especially Friday night with that 1-2-3 inning when he struck out the side to pick up the save. But against the starters, the Terps were making contact, just not good contact, a lot of lazy fly balls, a lot of soft grounders. So we'll see how Sandy matches up with the Terps offense on Friday. Then on Saturday, the Terps will play Coastal Carolina, the 2016 national champions, and they're off to a great start this year, 7-2. and two, The only two losses, each by one run against Indiana and Illinois, but they already have wins over the likes of Virginia Tech, 17-2 to on opening day. They beat a ranked Oklahoma team. They beat Kansas State. An easy win against College of Charleston. Beat that West Virginia team you've already mentioned. And really just massacred VCU uh, on Sunday in a 15-5 to win. So this looks like a real tough test for Maryland. The Chanticleers will have UNC Wilmington in the midweek and then the Ball State Cardinals on Friday before playing Maryland on Saturday. Yeah, Coastal Carolina is pretty much, they're pretty close back to the level they were in 2016 when they won the whole thing at the College World Series and were really the Cinderella story there. But people, you know, people think it was a big Cinderella story. Coastal Carolina was a very, very good team in the regular season, just maybe a little underseated because of the conference they played in. But Coastal Carolina showed how good they were, obviously winning the national championship. And this team is probably going to make the NCAA tournament again this year and have a real shot to make it to Omaha. And Saturday, the Terps will most likely see Zach Hopek, who has been the Saturday starter this season for Coastal Carolina. The ERA up above 4.7 this season so far in a couple of starts, but at 11 and a third innings in those two starts, he's got 11 strikeouts and just two walks. So he's a big strikeout guy on the mound for Coastal Carolina. This is definitely the best team the Terps are going to see by far this week in the four games and would be the biggest win for the Terps to possibly pick up this weekend. And stats, as we know, can get a little bit skewed early in the season. He pitched the Saturday game against Illinois this weekend and was not good, but he was great in his first start of the season against a ranked Oklahoma team. Went six and a third, two hits, no runs, two walks, and seven strikeouts over 104 pitches. So uh, Hopek will pitch against Tyler Blome, we presume, and that should be 
a really, really good game and another big test for Maryland. All these teams are going to be playing on the campus of Coastal Carolina. Uh, the Chanticleers are hosting this little tournament, so they will be home uh, for this game. So kind of a road game for Maryland, whereas Friday and Sunday will be neutral site games. But Coastal Carolina, I mean, they just do everything well so far this season. The team ERA is under three. The team batting average is 297. They have five guys hitting over 300 right now. And they have one guy who's hitting only 263 in Kevin Woodall Jr. But he's already got four home runs and 14 RBIs. Yeah, it's an offense there. And that team is really going to give the Terps a problem. But even if they can't take down Coastal Carolina, I think it's important for the Terps to kind of those games that sandwich Coastal Carolina in this series, you have Ball State, you have Radford, two very win winnable games. Of course, VCU is a big win to go get. So you kind of go into that Coastal game looking at it like this for Maryland. If you get the win, it's huge. It's going to be big for the NCAA tournament resume. But if you don't get the win, maybe that's okay because they're by far the best team, the home team hosting this tournament. But then if you can get those wins that kind of go around it with Ball State and Radford, it can be a very successful weekend. Then on Sunday, Maryland will meet Ball State, who they actually played the opening game of the 2017 season, lost 8-3 down in Clearwater. Uh, Brian Schaefer started that game for Maryland, and it just didn't go overly well for the Terps that day. Ball State this season is 3-4. and four. There are three wins against UMass Lowell twice and a, an easy win, 14-6 against Iowa last Saturday. Losses against Moorhead State twice, New Orleans, and Virginia Tech. This team, I think Maryland's going to want some revenge after what happened last year. It seems like a winnable game for the Terps. It's really hard to tell who's going to start this game for Ball State because the first weekend of the season, they played Friday, Saturday, Saturday, Sunday. And then this weekend, they played Friday, Saturday, Saturday. And the pitcher who pitched third, you would presume, would be the Sunday starter. But it wasn't the same the two weekends. The first weekend against uh, Moorhead State, it was Kyle Nicholas who threw the third game and pitched five innings and gave up one hit and no runs. And then this weekend, the third game was against Virginia Tech, and it was Garrett Simmons who pitched. So offhand guess, I'll say it's one of those two. Simmons against Virginia Tech only made it two and two-thirds and gave up four runs, so I guess Maryland would probably rather see him. But, uh, you know, Ball State a team, Maryland – probably would hope to beat, and I think it's a good point you made about winning the games you should win. That I think that at least covers Ball State and Radford, maybe VCU, and then, hey, maybe you can get a win against Coastal, but if you don't get one that day, certainly not the end of the world. Yeah, and it'll be big to kind of avenge that loss to Ball State from last season. If you, They do see Kyle Nicholas, as you talked about, at one point, Eight ERA in a couple of starts, 13 strikeouts to five walks. The Terps, however, we do know the Friday starter for Ball State is John Baker, who, although he won't be facing the Terps, he might have the weirdest stat line in college baseball this season. In nine and two-thirds innings and two starts, he's given up nine earned runs, and he struck out 18 batters. So he's going <laughs> out there every inning, Kang two guys, giving up a run, and then walking back to the dugout, which is just an unreal stat line to think about how you can be so dominant and also give up so many hits at the same time. But he is not the guy the Terps will face. We know he will most likely be going Friday for Ball State. But as you said, a couple of guys that could go the Sunday, we don't really know. Maybe you know Ball State doesn't even know yet how they're going to set out this pitching rotation over the weekend. But it's a Ball State offense that you know has struggled a little bit at the plate this season. So for the Terps, pitchers at least on the weekend, and we will probably see Hunter Parsons out there. You would definitely think after kind of pulling it together a lot more this Sunday, it's going to be another big step in the 
almost you say the redevelopment of Hunter Parsons getting back into the weekend rotation. Well, absolutely. So coverage for this week for us here on the Maryland Baseball Network will start Wednesday down in Richmond. The game's at 3 o'clock between Maryland and VCU. The NBN pregame show is always a half hour before, so at 2.30. Then this weekend down at Coastal, the Friday game against Radford, 11 a.m., 10.30 pregame show. Saturday against Coastal, 3 o'clock start, 2.30 pregame show. And then the Sunday game against Ball State is at 11 as well. So a 10.30 pregame show. I'm a little happy about uh, that 11 start on Sunday, so we won't be getting back at 4.30 in the morning like we did uh, from Tennessee. But it should be fun, and it'll be nice to be down around Myrtle Beach. And hopefully the Terps can uh, get back on the right track after a little bit of a tough weekend here at Bob Turtle Smith Stadium against Army. Special thanks to Randy Bednar for joining us here on the MBN Podcast. As always, follow us on Twitter for updates, at MDBaseballNet. Check us out on Facebook at Facebook.com backslash MDBaseballNet. Head to our website, MarylandBaseballNetwork.com, for all our articles, game recaps, photographs, and everything else uh, you could look for, Maryland baseball-related. And if you like what you've heard, subscribe by searching Maryland Baseball Network in the iTunes Store. So once again, four games this week for the Terps, VCU, Radford, Coastal Carolina, and Ball State. For this episode of the Maryland Baseball Network podcast, our entire staff and my partner, Connor Newcomb, I'm Justin Galanti. So long, everyone. Yeah.